Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I'm excited to have my first guest of 2021. So Karen from Petty Speechy is here to talk all about lisps and all things that are not my expertise, but I know so many of you have questions about. So Karen, welcome to the show and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and how you got onto this SLP journey. All right. Well, thanks for having me. So I am a school-based SLP. I also have experience working in outpatient. So I actually started in outpatient and then switched to the schools where I'm at now. Yeah, let's see. I'm a mom. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. So it's crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm doing the full-time school SLP, the mom thing, and then um, also doing the TPT and creating resources and things like that. But the reason I'm so obsessed with lists really, I just, I, you know, I was doing outpatient therapy and I feel like I was just kind of just doing the same thing over and over again in therapy, you know, and I just wasn't seeing success. And I, I am like, my personality is to just, I keep going until I find the answers. It's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I think grad school drained us, like, I, I got us all into that. Like we can't settle for like, mediocre. We have to be the best. (laughs) That's exactly it. And so this just happened to be my thing. This list and ours, I just, I'm like, I've got to figure this out. So I had just one day, I had a really lucky Google search and I stumbled upon Sandra Holtzman and the world of oral facial myology. So, you know, I'm kind of like just reading her little course brochure. Actually, it wasn't little. I mean, this is like a 28 hour continued education course. So it's like, (laughs) 
Not little. <laughs> this is before I had kids. I want to throw that out there too. But anyways, um, so I just, I was reading the brochure and, and it said, you know, a lot of these articulation errors, the, the same ones I'm trying to work on and not having success with are a result of these disorders. And so I'm reading more into it. I'm like, I got to go to this course. So I go, I spend four days doing this course and she just, you know, it, I go all into oral facial myology and all these things that really, really affect and kind of affect speech and not just speech, other things too, like chewing and, and swallowing and, and other things, which I don't, you know, work with that. But anyway, so we get to the end of this course and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, I have all this new information. And then I'm like, but wait, how do I correct a list? It's like, like, that was why I was here. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I ended up talking to Sandra and and we kind of like, you know, talked through some things and it kind of got me started and and I'll get more into that kind of how I actually treat and correct a list, but it really opened my eyes to some of the things that are just like foundational skills that our kids need to have before they can even be successful with speech. We're so quick to jump to like, let's do single words or like, let's get that sound, but they don't have the developmental things beforehand. Yeah. And and I was like noticing, I'm like, okay, so there are certain things that as SLPs that we can look out for, or kind of, you know, when we're, when we're assessing and seeing how these kids are ready to even make these sounds, you know, what do they have going on? So some of the things I learned to do are not just listening. Okay. We we're really good at listening to the speech aspect. We can hear when things aren't right, but I had to look into things like, first of all, are there any oral habits going on? Are there any things like thumb sucking and, you know, sucking on clothing and just these noxious oral habits that can kind of displace the tongue. Are they still using the bottle or pacifier? Yeah. Bottle pacifier. Cause that was a big thing. You know, after I took this course, I had a kid come in with this, oh my gosh, this lateral list. It was just, and, and, I found out she was going to bed still with a sippy cup every night with this hard spout at four. You know, those are things to consider. The other thing is if you've got an open mouth breathing kid, you see that happening, you might want to like think about, are there enlarged tonsils or things like that? Because if you've got those tonsils that are in the way and they're pushing the tongue forward, then you can't just be in that optimal position for speech. You know, if you've got some structural things going on like that. Also other things to look for, can the tongue move freely? Is it tied down? You know, same with the lips too. Um, I had a kid who I went to this course, I came back and I had him flip his, yeah, I was doing the checks and I had him flip his lips and he was just like so tied down, but I was like, you oh, can't see her right her. now, but she's li- flipping her lip back. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had, you know, cause I'm just like, these are just kind of the, the things that we need to make sure that we're assessing before we are jumping right into therapy. And, and also taking a look at what palate shape we're working with, you know, what is the shape of the oral cavity? Because for the tongue to be able to position correctly, we need to know what we're dealing with. You know what I mean? Do we have some, uh, a high arch going on? Is it really wide? You know, so um, they have the, the space tongue- for the movement that that is required for those sounds. And absolutely, definitely. And that, which also brings me back to the fact that like any sort of oral habits that are going on, like the thumb sucking and things like that can actually change the shape of the palate. So if we kind of aren't like looking out for those things, you know, that's making more work for us down the road. So we need to be able to be on the lookout for those things and just be aware of those things and how they can impact speech. And of course, many, many other things as well too, but 
that's what we are here to talk about. So no, definitely. Do you have any recommendations or tips for someone who's hesitant to have that conversation with a parent or make a referral to like an ENT or pediatrician or something for some of the other things going on? Yeah, absolutely. I know that it may depend on your setting, how you have to word things. When I was in outpatient, that was definitely a little bit easier for me. I actually did have a couple kids where I was the one who made the referral, like, Hey, like I'm a little concerned with the size of your tonsils and it's up to you. If you're concerned too, here's how it may be affecting things. You may want to get it looked at. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a couple kids who did need their tonsils removed. Cause in the schools, if you say like, so- I'm recommending this, then someone was like, it's like, okay, then the district has to pay for it. So you yeah. can't make those referrals. You can make those suggestions. Like I'm suggesting if you want to, you can That's exactly. You don't have to. And that's how my district is with that. If this is something that you're concerned about or, you know, so you do have to be careful with how you're wording it. If you're in an outpatient setting, you're, you've got a little more leeway there. School's Mm -hmm. not as much, but knowing, you know, how these things can impact the speech sound production is definitely important. So say, you know, okay, so you've figured out if there's other things going on, you've tackled that, you've gone through that. Now what? My first thing that I always want to start with is establishing a correct lingual resting posture. That is your starting point for speech. So the tongue needs to be resting in the right position. You have to have that right starting off point. So that is the best place to start. So the kids need to understand a couple things. Number one, our lips are closed when we're at rest because I'm working with second through fifth graders. So I was explaining something like this. All right. So if you're just like playing your Xbox and not talking or kind of sitting in class and not talking, you know, I'm just kind of going through all these different scenarios. Here's what I want your tongue to be doing. I want your lips closed. I want you breathing through your nose. Your tongue needs to be up and the tip or the front part needs to be touching the alveolar ridge. We call it home and I have a type it on. So I explain mm. this to them. So I said, your tongue has to be up you know, touching the roof of the mouth and your teeth are just slightly apart. They're relaxed slightly apart. And so I kind of just show them that and then just nice, easy, you know, your tongue is just kind of up in that arch and your lips are closed. So we just go through that and we talk about home, the alveolar ridge. You know, they're sitting in my room. I'll just randomly, like we're taking a turn at a game. Hey, is your tongue tip at home? You know, so I just like, I constantly just get them starting to think about their tongue positioning at rest. Um, I send homework home, just little reminders to keep your tongue tip at rest in the correct resting posture because that is really the starting point for where we need to be to correct these sounds. They've got to have it. I never would have thought of to start with at rest. Like I'm like, oh, let's start with like in speech, like because we're speech. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You guys listening, I think in the same thing as me. (laughs) Well, and, And honestly, that is one of the most important things I learned in the oral patient biology course I took, it's like, that's our starting point. So, you know, if we've got a kid who's kind of sitting there and their tongue's forward, right. And they're maybe doing like an interdental ass or like a Mm -hmm. dentalized ass. Well, that's their starting position. That's where they're, that's their home for their tongue. That's where they're used to having their tongue placed. And so it kind of makes sense that that's what they're doing with their tongue too. So So. true. And we have to break that habit. And it's yeah. going to take time. Like if you had to start writing with your left hand, can you do it right away? Like I couldn't. Right. So it is breaking a habit and that's exactly it. So it's just learned behavior. Now, of course, sometimes, like I said, it can be, you know, you may have some structural things going on. And in mm-hmm. that case, like you may just have to 
try and do things to compensate, to work with what you've got. But sometimes it is just, it's a habit, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. habit that they've learned for whatever reason. And it's just something that we need to try and help break and just kind of awareness is such a huge thing. Retraining the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Retraining. So we just have to kind of retrain and build awareness of that. That's really, really helpful. Now I bet everyone is thinking, cause I'm thinking this too. What was the youngest age that you've worked on this with? Like I said, I'm working with second through fifth grade. So by the time I get these kids, they're at a really good place to understand what I'm telling them. Mm-hmm. When I took the course, they recommended like the earliest to start with this type of stuff is like age five. I'm kind of like, so as we know, lateral lisp, never developmentally normal. Interdental lisp, you know, you've kind of heard like that five-year range, it can, can be normal up until then. So I personally, it might depend on the child if they're that young. I would say maybe five or six would be the youngest I would start with that. But that's that's me. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Because actually someone who has, you know, parents or teachers constantly coming to them in the school saying, you know, you should see this kid. And it's like, well, okay, developmentally, we always are wanting to know what the right answer is. And yes, of course, there isn't always the right answer, but we want to feel as prepared as possible when these cases come our way. Right. With like some younger kids, we can at least start with some of the basics on that, that resting Mm -hmm. posture and stuff. We can at least kind of start with some of the basics on that, starting with five-year-olds. It also depends on their awareness of it. Like how aware are they with what's going on? Or maybe like, I don't want to say like they were getting picked on or something. And like maybe they were aware that they might sound different. Then they might be a little bit more motivated to work on it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it may depend on the kid if they're a little bit younger. All right. So let's hear, let's hear some other fun tips, strategies, activities. So first of all, like maybe kind of thinking about where you're starting with. So you're starting with establishing that correct lingual resting posture, which is so, so important because depending on the type of lisp that they're demonstrating, the tongue is not in the right position. So if they've got that interdental or dentalized ash, you know, that tongue is too far forward and it needs to be brought back, right? And the sides need to be elevated. And if you've got the lateral lisp going on, you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, they've maybe got the tip elevated but the sides are down. I have like some really old articulation textbooks and I can't remember who described it as a slushy L, but it made so much sense because the tongue tip is up, you know, can be touching the alveolar ridge, but the sides of the tongue are down. And so it's like a, like that slushy L sound. Mm-hmm. So the air is just escaping throughout the sides. So just understanding what the tongue is doing, you know, and, and kind of like where they are not making the connection is, is really helpful. You know, if you've got a palatal S, then that tongue is just, it's too far back. It needs to be brought forward mm-hmm. and they need to be able to lower the tongue tip so that the air can flow over so you can kind of create that airflow stream. But where I start is, of course, the resting posture. Some of my kids need to work on some lingual strength and coordination. I just call these like tongue warm-ups. A lot of this is coming from the phase one oral facial myology course that I took. And that is from Sandra Holtzman. I've taken a lot of coursework on this, wrote a lot of books on this. And, and a lot of it is very similar, these exercises, like from across different courses and books and everything. You really want to work on the tongue bowl. So they need to learn how to elevate the sides of their tongue. Mm -hmm. And that's just incredibly important. They need to be able to do that so that they can get that front tip vertical movement. So this is like probably the nerdiest thing I'm going to say tonight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So nerdy, Um, seriously. But the tongue is a muscular hydrostat, which I had no clue what that was until recently. But basically (laughs) the tongue 
it's really cool because it's like an elephant's trunk. Okay. So it doesn't have any like bones inside and you have to have a point of stabilization for the rest of the tongue to move. So like you have to have one part of your tongue stabilized so that other parts of the tongue are able to move into different positions. Does that kind of my kind of making sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to have like some parts rigid so that other parts can move. So Mm -hmm. that's like in in a nutshell. Once you've gone through those type of things, you want to work on like getting a good tongue bowl. You want to make sure that your students understand and that they can like widen and narrow the tongue, that they can find the spot and move the tongue in those ways and like coordinated manners. After that, I go to a whisper tea usually. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that. And if not, I'll explain it, but um, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So this was something I had heard about. If you have done like the groundwork and, and they understand like the lingual resting posture and all of this, I think you'll see a lot of success with the whisper tea. I think if you haven't done those other things, it may not be quite as successful. Mm-hmm. But basically what it is, is shaping the S from the T sound. So get that tongue tip to the alveolar ridge to home. And I usually have them kind of do a smile. I want them to keep their chin nice and still. So it's all about just the tongue movement. They can control, they can shape their tongue. They do not need to move their chin while they're doing that. And that's Mm. really important. So once they understand those concepts, we just work on just real gently blowing the air with the T sound. Once they have that, they're getting their tongue to the right place, right? So, Mm. you know, if their tongue's still going through their teeth at this point, that's a problem, right? They Mm. need to understand that their tongue needs to be touching home for that. And then after they have that down, then we can kind of add a little more airflow and shape it. And then you're getting like this, this nice S sound, but it's, it is in the same spot. The tongue tip is in this. I'm doing it. If, are you guys, are you in the car? Like doing <laughs> no, the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> walking your dog, making a cup of coffee in the shower, wherever you are. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's important that they don't know that you're working on S at this point. Cause a lot of them know that they can't, they have trouble with that sound. Right. So or knowing like, S they're going to say the old way. They're going to say, you almost have to make a new name for it. Like, yes. So it's a new name for it. So, okay, we're going to do a T, but this time it's going to be longer. We're going to whisper our T, but then we're going to just, we're going to have a little more airflow and we're going to just, and I do like, I, I, I'm, I'm like pulling my, you know, I kind of like make it look, so I have like a visual to show. We're just making it longer, but we're still kind of nice and controlled airflow, keeping our tongue tip near the spot, but just lower just enough so that the airflow can pass over it. If they've got that good tongue groove going and the sides, are elevated like they should be and their tongue tip is near the spot where it should be, then you should get like a nice, beautiful sound. Wow. Of course, I just want to say too, the T sound, you know, you can, you can get this front tip up or tip down. It's okay. okay. You know, either, either way, whatever works for your student. But after we get that long T, then I move into the final TS words. So what I do is I'll say like a word like cats. But I will have them put a pause before that final sound. So it's like cat. So you say, okay, we're going to say your long T now, but we're going to add it to the end of words. Cat. Cat. And that pause is so, so important, mm-hmm. right? As Because they got to get their tongue in the right position. Now I have a question. Do you, when you're doing that, are you doing it with just the sounds and not like a picture? Because you don't want them utilizing their old trained brain. Right. So I, I do show a picture sometimes, but usually what I'll, I'll have like, I'll literally write a T and then I'll just like kind of draw an arrow going mm-hmm. there. I'm just like, remember, this is your long T. This is your long T. So we might have the words, but I'll just kind of have like the beginning of the words, dot, dot, dot. And then I like kind of have the rest of it as like the long T. 
All you need is like a dry erase board, guys. You know, or a little oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> dry arrow board at all times. But yeah, for sure. So but I love that. I love that pairing with it and splitting it up so that they're doing the, keeping it in isolation and then pairing it together. Yes. And then from that, you can use carticulation. So once they get that, you can slowly fade that pause, you know, until they can get that, then you can practice that in phrases, simple phrases. You don't want to have any other or sounds in the word, Mm -hmm. but you want that place to be the only place they're practicing that sound, if that makes sense. So no completely. Jersey sounds like right. Yeah. So you weren't wouldn't want to do the word seats, for example. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna mess everything up. You're, you're gonna be mad at yourself. Then what you're gonna do is you're gonna take those final t- words and then you're gonna use car articulation. So I'll have those final TS words and then initial S. So it might be like cats say hi. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> yeah. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bats see me, something like that. So you're just going into the initial S. From there, I can shape the sound. We just talked about how you turn your voice on. And if I need to, I can get the sh and chest sounds from all of that too. One other really cool thing to try if you have a student with a lateral lisp, and I shared this on my Instagram recently, and this is like the coolest thing. So Literally, this was written in, I think, 1976, Vicki Ustan. She wrote an article, and it's published on ASHA, and it's called Utilization of the Straw Technique for Correction of Lateral Lists. Second nerdiest thing I've said all day. <laughs> so, it's all good. We're, we're in right, the right place. So, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a clear cup, you need water, and you need a very thin straw, like a coffee straw. So this is a really good excuse to go to Starbucks or wherever you <laughs> The cool thing about this is if you've spent all that time training the resting position for the tongue and they understand resting posture and they understand where home is and the alveolar ridge, then you get them to hold the tip of the coffee straw to the alveolar ridge with their tongue. This is going to take a little practice because mm-hmm. what they're going to try and do is use their lips, but they have to be able to do this with just, just the, the tongue. tongue. Okay. And then they flatten the edge of the straw. Um, to the alveolar ridge. Then what you've got is you you want to make sure you've got the water parts. I've heard a lot of people like, oh, I use a straw to get that, which is cool and that's good. But if you add the water to it, it provides a visual of the airflow. So I was doing this with a student and first he tried to use his lips to compensate and get the bubbles. I'm like, I know that you can make bubbles when you close your lips. You have to do this with your lips apart. He's like, oh. God. <laughs> right. But that's so, so motivating for children. Like the bubbles, like that's so fun. He loved it though, you know, and it took, it took a couple sessions. And so, but he got in, so he um, was finally able to direct the airflow stream straight through that thin coffee straw and make the bubbles. Cause that's the thing, you know, you got that lateral list. You've got to be able to elevate the sides of the tongue so that you created this almost like a, a tunnel. I like to say a tongue tunnel, mm-hmm. right? So you have to have a tongue tunnel. It's like wider at the base. It's narrow at the front. And then you have just a little bit of the tip is lower, just enough to get the airflow through it. So if you've got that coffee straw, that can really help facilitate that. Love it. That's so cool. Do you have any other like fun games or hacks to just keep children motivated while working on these? Like drills that could be kind of boring it could get yeah, like, oh my gosh. it's like you know week after week okay we're tongue and rest tongue and rest you know Absolutely. you know if it's if they don't get it right away it could get be kind of like here we go again and that's such a good point too because this can take a long time I mean I've had kids take two months to get the long tea so 
it really is a game of persistence. Mm-hmm. I just use my typical therapy, drill, play, drill, play, drill, play. And, you know, I seem to have a lot of luck with that. What's your favorite game? Um, we've had this one game. What is it called? It's pizza party. I think we've been playing that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fun game. So it's like, you know, you get dice and they get dice and then you roll and you try and be the first one on the dice. There are different pizza toppings. Mm-hmm. You try and match the toppings to mm-hmm. what's on your dice. And it's like a race to be the first one to do that. It's like pretty quick. That pop-up minion games, which is basically pop-up pirate. That's my favorite. But I think the one my kids are like the most motivated by, which is hilarious. Like I was at obviously pre-COVID was at at, uh, five below, you know, those games where you like, you push the the teeth down Mm -hmm. and it'll just chomp you like the crocodile dentist. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like another version of it. Like, yeah, I got the knockoff version, you know, they're all knockoffs. They're all horrible. They're motivating. I can get them to say as many as I want with that. They love that. And then the final one that it really, really works, the Disney meme game. I have it. I have not used it. Oh my gosh. They love it. Do you have any, because everyone's probably wondering this, tips, guidance, advice for people doing this via teletherapy? You're going to need some good visuals. You can still use things like if they can have a mirror in front of them, that would be really helpful so that they can see, you know, is their chin moving or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. I love the Osmo. I don't know if everyone listening has that, but you have an iPad, you know, you can get the Osmo, like the base. You just need like the base and the reflector, Mm -hmm. um, which is like 38 bucks. And that's a really great way to just kind of show them things that are just on your table. I have like a type on that I bought on Amazon for like eight bucks. Like I just bought a cheap one. So that way I can kind of show them these things on the type I have highlighter tape. And you'll send me the link then we'll put it in the show notes so they can oh, find, yeah, I'll it. Totally find it. I'll yeah. try to find it. But yeah, I'll, if, if I can find the link for that, I will for sure. Yeah. yeah. I do use a lot of visuals. I have a list packet that I made and I like made a lot of visuals where I kind of showed where the tongue and palate like contact is. I show those visuals a lot. Um, Those are things you can screen share too, because it's just all on one page. And I have like in that same packet, I have visuals to show some of those exercises and just to kind of show like the long T and the whisper T and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I I used a lot of that. But yeah, pictures, shaping a tongue out of Play-Doh. For sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do that in person. We can still do that via teletherapy. Don't be afraid to be a little creative. Like the other day, I mean, I I wasn't a lisp, but it was an R kid. I seriously like stepped back like 20 feet, pulled down my mask and just to show the kid my tongue. I'm like, you got to do what you got to do to make things work around. The kid was looking at me and then he ran 20 feet back to give me the answer back. Yeah, that's the thing. It's (laughs) my colleagues and I were joking that like, what if we had like just used the Zoom feature on our phones from like across the room so we could see? (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, what about? Apparently, we're not in like the best like pandemic type occupation. No, so that definitely presents some challenges. I think right now it's just doing the best to with what you got. You know, I'm just trying to stay positive. This isn't forever. No, but just knowing that it is possible, that it is possible to still work on something like this, which is so in the mouth (laughs) during these times. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And also, uh, like, there's such power in just saying things differently. Like, I found that, like, this is a completely different sound, so maybe not totally relevant. I've been working on uh, the cuff sound with one of my students. Oh, my gosh. Everything I was trying wasn't working. Like, totally. And finally, the other day, and we are hybrid right now. So I, I did virtual the first quarter. Right now we're in hybrid. 
finally I was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, changing the name so they don't know what sound you're working on and saying things in a different way can be huge too. I mean, sometimes that just takes us being super creative. So I told this kid, today we're going to work on the low T. He's like, the low T? I'm like, yeah, the low T. I'm like, because you know how to make the high T, so we're going to make the low T. So I'm like, okay, I want you to say this word. And I wrote Tay on the dry erase board because that's my life. And I had my type it on and my highlighter tape. And I put the highlighter tape and I just kind of where I wanted his tongue tip to be and making contact with. And I said, okay, make a low T. And he said, Tay. And I was like, no, you made a high T. I want you to make a low T. Keep that tongue down. So I got the mirror out. And he goes, okay, K. We did 10 minutes of perfect cuss sounds. And I was like, hey, by the way, you just made the cuss sound. And he was like, what? And I was like, do you want to keep calling it the low T? He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, we'll keep calling it that. Secret society lingo, you know? Seriously. And that's such a great thing to think about us as clinicians that sometimes we just need to change the way we present it. Exactly. Like, I have a fifth grader that I keep referring to the R sound. Like I probably should keep just saying like our new sound, like this, yeah. like, let's say the new sound, not the R sound. The R sound to him is the old way. Exactly. So, like that has like worked a lot for me, especially when they know that they've been working on something and that they, they have this like block, this mental block. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with us that you didn't get to share yet on the topic of working on lisps and anything? Yeah, no. Um, I'll just say like, if you're looking for CEU courses or books to read or things like that, cool people to check out. Sandra Holtzman, oralfacemyology.com for sure. She, oh my gosh, I really love that Pam Marshall's book. The newer one. That the newer came, one, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really good. And it just goes into like how the tongue moves. Um, Those are some really great resources and people who know what they're talking about and they're experts. So I definitely recommend them. I do my best to share tips and tricks and things that work on Instagram. So I'd love it if people followed me on my Instagram. Yes. So which is what? Tell them where to follow you. Okay. So it's at the PD speechy on Instagram Go check her out on Teachers Pay Teachers on everywhere. And we'll have all the links to everything in the show notes. So not to worry, guys. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I I feel so much more confident and ready to take on a case when a lisper comes into my therapy room or what have you. And I know everyone else is feeling a little bit inspired and getting the jolts of inspiration. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me like nerd out with you. Of course. (laughs) Do you have a favorite joke by any chance? Favorite joke? I don't know about that. What is red, white, and blue over spring break? Oh my gosh. A sad candy cane. Oh, that's good. I know. I I know. I know. And I think I said winter break. I might have said spring break, but it's supposed to be winter break. Winter break. (laughs) What is red, white, and blue over winter break? So there you go. That is our joke of the week, guys. You have a joke with your students as some of you are probably heading back from your winter break today. Some of you are back on your second week. So we feel you. Grab your cup of coffee. Take a big sip. And get the straws. Get the straws. (laughs) And I will see you next week on another episode of SLP coffee talk. Bye-bye. It is no secret that as SLPs, our focus is always on coming up with new and creative ways to engage our students while teaching them practical and meaningful skills so they can lead more productive communicative lives. It's also no secret that reaching that goal consistently sometimes feels so out of reach. Being bogged down with paperwork, heavy caseloads, and unrealistic demands put on us by admin has our braids ready to explode. 
leaving us questioning our confidence, suffering from imposter syndrome, and being unsure of our place in a field that we love. That is why I decided to have a little fun and put together a free quiz that digs into the different SLP personalities we find in our amazing and challenging profession. This free 60-second quiz can help you discover which movie character best represents your SLP confidence, so you can begin to reclaim your time and banish overwhelm for all. No matter which result you get, each character embodies unique qualities that highlight the gifts and abilities you bring to your speech students each day. It also tackles the areas your character may need to work on in order to feel 100% confident as an SLP. Plus, I threw in some access to freebies for you. Who doesn't love freebies? So if you are tired of feeling negative, overwhelmed, devoid of confidence, or just want to have a little fun, take the quiz today. Head to speechtimefun.com slash quiz. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.